You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. How are we all going? Uh, welcome to the afternoon here on 3RRRFM. The uh, name of this show is Eat It, and uh, I'm very, very happy to say that... Uh, Reunited, yes, with uh, the uh, the grand chef de cuisine, Matt Steadman. I had a couple of weeks off. I was very lucky. We um, drove to South Australia and smuggled some wine back across the border. Really? Did you get caught? Nah, you made it. Nah, in the yeah. dead of night, he has hundred k an hour. We did. It was great. But and good to be back in this little container we have here in East Brunswick with you, Cameron Smith. Thank you very, very much. You. It's uh, it's lovely that you have the uh, the pleasure of your company. And uh, may I extend that outward? Uh, wherever you are, wherever you are listening uh, to us on uh, a wireless device, yes, on an analog device, or yes. maybe into the future, <laughs> into the future, you might be listening to us. you time shifters out there. Yeah. We welcome you and uh, people on the stream wherever you are: northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere, eastern western hemispheres. You beat me to it. Um, we do that. So also we have to say a huge thanks. He cannot hear us at the moment because... He's got headphones on. He's doing... He's, he's a very busy man, is Kent. I don't know whether the listeners know this, but Kent spends a lot of his Sunday scurrying around Triple R, <laughs> making, making the whole radio station work. Thank you, Kent. Thanks, Kent, for looking after the last couple of weeks. He still can't hear us. Yes, isn't he? He's looking, staring resolutely at a screen. He's cutting he, up uh, the uh, the radiotherapy podcast, is I think what he's doing right now. Is indeed. So uh, we look forward to uh, a culinary tidbits of mm, deliciousness uh, on the show today. Mm. Uh, starting off the show today, we've got a young farmer. Yes. There he is. Yes, he's, he's, he reacts to that too. <laughs> um, he's got a red beanie. But uh, this is radio, not television, so we cannot show you his red beanie. It's good beanie weather, though. It is good beanie weather. His name is Danny Kinnear. Um, did you know that the average age of farmers in this country is around about 55 years old? That's a really sobering fact. Indeed, and Danny's going who's, against the grain. Who's going to grow our stuff in 20 years? Well, hopefully people like Danny. So yes. um, he's a young guy who's uh, up around the Dalesford region. Mm. There's Danny Jonas as a, as a neighbour, which I would say would be a very good neighbour to have mm. uh, as uh, inspiration, mentor, and also a purveyor of some yummy things next door to just come yes. and maybe try. Yes, on, yes. Hey, Danny, come on, how about some of that stuff? So, anyway, we're going to talk to him about uh, what he grows on the land, his inspiration, you know, why? Why? <laughs> why? You know, why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, what, what's in it for you? And he's also brought us Portuguese tarts, which, yes. which he makes. He's, he's very good news. He's a value adder. So um, he's got some nice piggy friends up there and uh, some chooks and things like that. Mm. And someone who's had a bit of problem with the chooks lately. It's a little bit sad. Yes. Rosalind Grundy, uh, yes. editor of the Age Good Food Guide, contributor to Good Food, is uh, waiting in the green room too. And it's, yes. uh, that's a little bit exciting because we always love when Rosalind comes Indeed. Because she rocks. Yes. And um, we're going to talk to her about how her chooks are getting on, uh, the Age Good Food Guide, and uh, we might ask her a few questions about quantum mechanics and string theory just to really <laughs> freak her out. <laughs> No, no. Uh, she's no, telling that she's googling right now. Yeah, she is. My God, it's yeah. you. And uh, and then we uh, we save the best till last. Sometimes dessert can be oh, c'est magnifique, uh, c'est grand magnifique, uh, because you talk about some people as being the Godfather mm. or the chef's chef. Mm. And mon Dieu, we uh, we have him today, Philippe Michel who first came, we were lucky to have him come to this country in the 90s when mm. he opened up Paul Bocuse at Daimaru. Like there's something just to say, just to set something. That's a long time ago now, it is it? a, It's a couple footy seasons. Uh, but some say that every city should have a great French bistro. Mm. You know, a place where you have the classics of French cuisine. Yes. Don't mess with them too much, but maybe tweak Brilliantly, just do it properly. Do it properly, and um, the great news is that uh, we will have that space returning back in the city off Collins Street, mm -hmm. the top end, and uh, ironically enough, the Paris end. 
And anyway, we've got Philippe Michel, so we are very, very happy to have him in. And um, I look forward to having a chat. So why don't you join us? Yes, good uh, idea. Good idea. Uh, why don't you stay? Don't leave. Not a great day out there, so you're probably best hanging indoors anyway. Yeah. So before we go, uh, before we start and get this thing really kick-started, uh, I found a nice quote by James Beard, who was uh, one of the greats. We know him. American cuisine. Yes. Of the, geez, what's his era? 50s, 60s, 70s, bit of the 80s. They named uh, a cooking award after him, the, the James, James Beard Foundation. As well. Foundation Indeed. award. So yeah, he was he was big. Anyway, what does he say? He says, "I'm still convinced that a good, simple, homemade cookie is preferable to all the store bought cookies one can find." Have you ever made a cookie? I have. We don't really do much sweet stuff, so no. But in my defence, nor do we eat the store-bought cookies either. Uh, I'm living a cookie-free life, I guess. I'm cookie-free. Yes. <laughs> Matt is now cookie-free. Well, this is Am good. I denying myself one of life's great places? Well, yeah, dude. Right, I right. mean, I'm... <laughs> the Toll House chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of throwing some stuff into a bowl and mixing it up. Yep. And then spooning it onto a cookie sheet. Yep. Or a biscuit sheet, if we're biscuit being properly here in, in this Anglo land that we live in. <laughs> but I've, uh, yeah, look it up, folks. If you've never made a chocolate chip cookie, mm. maybe you should do that. This what wasn't Sunday. the what? What was the Toll House? Toll House. And the reason it was called a Toll House cookie was someone had the recipe, and I think they sold the recipe at this Toll House uh, somewhere in America, mm. and um, that's sort of where it spread far and wide. Mm. I have it from my Betty Crocker cookbook of circa, ah. I don't know, 57? Yes. Yeah. Bloody good book. Bloody good book. Anyway, so before we get really, really started, let's find some interesting things that happened uh, on this day in food history. As um, I pull up the right... Food July book. 10. There it is. Thank you, Matt. No, I'm on it. I'm so on it. It's just incredible. 1720. Yes. Mrs. Clements. Invents a method of preparing mustard flour or powder. You know the Keynes mustard? Yeah. Yeah. She invented that. Yeah, right. Mrs. Clements. Oh, that'll be Mrs. Clements. No first name there, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, which was known for a long time as Durham mustard. Until then, mustard was made into balls with honey or vinegar and then mixed with more vinegar when needed. Really? Yeah. Hmm. God bless you. Um, and uh, what else did we have here? Did I have something else interesting? Oh, a sad thing, nothing to do with food, but in 1958, the first parking meters were installed in England. <laughs> and then back in 1871, Marcel yep. Proust was born, that troublesome Frenchman. Yes. When writing long, 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 long. Book. We spoke about Proust a few weeks ago. Yeah, you we see, did. You seem a little. The bloody Madeleine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Marcel Proust was a French writer on January the 1st, 1909. He ate a piece of tea-soaked toast. It wasn't toast. It was a Madeleine, you idiots, uh, whose taste caused a series of childhood memories flooding back, and I will write this down for... At length. At length, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and I've been going on at length. 12.10 here on 3 Triple R. Eat it is the name of the show. Delighted to have Matt here. Yes. And uh, we're going to go and grab our Dalesford farmer, who's um, we're lucky enough to have in this town mm. for a little bit, and we'll have a chat to him after this. Twelve eleven and a bit here on a grey mid-winter kind of Sunday, I mm. think we'd have to say. But uh, the great news is that uh, by having our rain gauges full, uh, around the place, the dams are full. And uh, as a friend of mine used to say, fine green paddocks abound. And uh, Danny, um, Danny Kinnear, welcome to 3RRR. Thanks for coming in. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. And so, and so we, how are your paddocks looking? Uh, quite soggy at the moment. We've had um, yeah, an unbelievable How's your drainage? amount of rain. What sort of soil have you got? Uh, it's, half of it is uh, the rich red volcanic soil, oh. and then the other half is clay. Um, uh. So, yeah, <laughs> it's all right. Because oh. <laughs> uh, the great thing about clay is that it holds water. It does. It yeah. also makes great pizza ovens, so, so that, that's yeah, a no worries when, when you do this. So, Danny, you're a, um, you're a farmer, but not in the mould that we usually associate with farmers. You're not wearing mole skins. Uh, you haven't got a woven tie on. 
you didn't come in with a hat. Um, it's it's funny this sort of thing that we we think of farmers as being well pretty much old blokes now, don't we? And it, that perception is kind of the reality, isn't it? Yeah, it is. the The average age of the farmers, I think you mentioned before, is um, fifty five in Australia. Double nickel, um, as they'd say in America. Yeah, which yeah. is which is crazy. And farmers also only make up three percent of the population, so. We've got three percent, three percent, yeah, of a very aging um, minority, yeah, feeding everyone else, which is quite, um, quite scary for me. Wow, wow, yeah. that was me. I was nearly going to get in trouble with Yoast swear jar there, but um, I managed to pull back. So, um, you've sort of bucked that trend, I guess. How did you get involved in farming? What's been the motivation to to do this? Um, to be part of this three percent. Thank you for for doing it, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm, I, it's it's a bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll try and um, distill it down. Right, but everybody, sit back. It's going to take a while. Yeah, right. Um, I, I I originally studied psychology and English at uni, and I wasn't really ever interested in farming. Um, but I think what what got me really interest what what maybe planted the seed for me was growing um, a sunflower when I was much younger and just seeing the kind of miracle of life, you know, this tiny <laughs> seed growing into a, a plant and then suddenly producing the amazing sunflower head um, you, you after know, a couple of months. And you know what's really freaky about the sunflower? What? Well, it's sort of, it's just sort of growing up and, um, and it's just doing that and then all of a sudden it goes, I will follow the sun and it becomes it aware and... It's a little sun cult. It is. It's a it's a it's a little bit day of the Triffids. I don't know if you remember that movie. Yeah, I've read the book. Yeah, yeah it's coming. Out okay, so you saw the miracle of botany and the yeah. miracle of life and the miracle of a life cycle, and you thought this is kind of fascinating. I, I want thought to be part it was magical. Yeah, and then I started cooking as well, and I kind of found the same magic in cooking. You know, you take these unrelated ingredients, and then they go through the magic magical transformation of cooking and it becomes something something amazing and different and delicious mm. and um i guess farming allows me to combine at least farming the way that i do cooking with our produce as well allows me to to combine both of those together um and kind of follow it through from the seed all the way to the plate um and that that's what kind of that's what I love about farming anyway. Because um, if I can just sort of I'll, – I'll fast forward this, that you um, you did a bit of uh, woofing work. Yeah, so you, I went you, You're a woofer? In, oh, I'm a woofer, yeah. Total, total woof. <laughs> yeah. Good woofer. Um, a woofinator. So uh, what is – it's a willing organic um, farm uh, worker, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, worldwide opportunities on organic farms is the current acronym, but it changes over the years. Yeah. Um, and I went wolfing through Italy and Spain and France um, just to kind of, before I got into farming, and just to kind of dip my toe without um, the huge, you know, capital outlay. And, yeah, capital and, and everything. And also to do in one of those sort of cradles of agriculture in the great food bowls of Europe too. Yeah, I suppose exactly. that would have been interesting. And like... Europe's got a great history of small farmers who yeah. who value out as well. So I stayed on one farm in the um, the Italian Alps, and we were hand milking really? these sheep and these goats, and then we were turning it into these raw milk cheeses really? later on that day. Um, really? And it was just it, it was it was magical. What sort know? of cheeses? They, they I can't remember the exact name, but they're, fresh, they're like a, a little. Cheese? It was a camembert style, yeah. so it would, it would be aged for three weeks or longer. So a little white mold cheese. Yeah, and then there was also a fresh goat's cheese, and we we're making yogurt fresh from the raw milk as well. And I suppose the lunches were probably pretty good there too. Huh? They had their own home cured salamis and homemade oh. wine and everything. <laughs> wow. Okay. And um, so that was sort of the first thing, but the other one is that you've been inspired and um, been. Um, Oh, just inspired by um, by a guy at Polyface, Polyface Farms, Joel Salatin, who is uh, one of the a pioneer in 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 the uh, in organics and also in value adding and having the next generations having profitable ethical agriculture would be a good way to put it. Yeah, so Joel Salatin does a really interesting thing where they've they've only got about a hundred acres of pasture um, and. From 100 acres, they have all of these different operations going on there. So they've got their, their grass-fed beef going in front in um, a cell uh, rotational grazing padding. And then afterwards, they've got their laying chickens coming through as well. And, and he, then after that, they've got their meat chickens. He's and got then, his chicken tractors, doesn't he's he? He's got everything, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so because they're using the 100 acres in, um, 
in like a stacked enterprise kind of way, mm. they can get a lot more profit from just 100 acres that a conventional farm would only get the grass-fed beef or just the laying chickens. And so they can triple the, uh, the profit um, capacity of the farm. And stay on the land. Stay on the Which land is too. A, and, and also have that as sort of a dynastic thing. And that doesn't mean that it's dynasty and it's oil barons and stuff like that, but it just means that you've got something that's viable that you can pass on to the next generation. Exactly. And I, I think, think that's great. And he's also in maybe one of the most beautiful parts of, uh, of America in the Shannon – even the name of it, the Shenandoah Valley. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It, yeah, yeah. it is beautiful. It yeah. is. Okay, so let's let's go back to you and, and say how did you get this uh, – how did you transform this this knowledge and this, this wanting to do this sort of stuff to the reality of being in Dalesford and coming and seeing me today? Um, so Us today. <laughs> Sorry, shouldn't just – Sorry. So, so we had um, – yeah, so I got, I got back from wolfing overseas and my, my dad, um, I was really lucky. My dad had a hundred acres, uh, which he wasn't doing anything with at the moment up near Dalesford. Mm. Um, and he was just adjusting it out to the dairy farmer. And so I, I approached him and I asked him to, to lease me five acres. And then I just started really small. Five. Only five acres. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to start small. Yeah, and, fine. um, I got 30 chickens, um, and we put them in a, a mini little, chicken tractor just like joel saladin and then now we've got very quickly what's a chicken tractor so it's not actually a chicken tractor it's more like a a, yeah so it's a mobile hen house so that you can move them around the pasture and then they they're um and they dynamically lift everywhere (laughs) which means they spray their beautiful (laughs) chooky poo around the place and then they eat they forage and they get green grass they get insects it's beautiful Mm. and the grass also gets a chance to recover after they've moved on yeah. Um, so everything kind of wins in that system. Yeah. So you've started, you said that will be an important thing to do. Yeah. So I wanted to start with the happiness and the health of the soil and the animals as well, mm. and then build something which we can, you know, make some profit out of it as well so that we can be mm. ecologically sustainable and also financially sustainable. There you go. These things, two things have to weigh up because you can be completely mung bean about the whole thing and yet, you know, you've got bank managers knocking on your... Or in this case, your dad just going, hey, where's the, 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 the money? Yeah. <laughs> and and this is sort of covering off on, on both those things, isn't it? Uh, is it... Have you gone as far as taking a biodynamic principle to this land or...? No, so no. We're, not, we're not certified um, organic. We're not certified biodynamic either, um, although we don't use... Do you see them as being valid and something that you would l- want to do in the future? Um I, th- I think they're really valuable um, in this current system, but I would yeah. prefer to be certified by people coming out and actually seeing the farm so, and having a, a tour and then, you know, posing questions like, why do you do it like this? You know, mm. have you ever thought of doing it this way? Danny, what's going on over here? Exactly, what's yeah. That? And so instead of relying on a label, people can actually get a full picture of the farm by coming out and having a tour. And yeah, right. So, um, so what sort of stuff are you producing? So at the moment we've got what's, the free range eggs. What's the produce of your labour? <laughs> free range eggs. Yeah. So we've got the free range eggs, and then with those eggs we bake them into Portuguese custard tarts and a seasonal fruit freond, um, and we sell those at the farmers market. So by value adding, um, we end up getting fifteen dollars per egg versus. 50 cents an egg if we were selling them by the dozen. Kind of makes sense. And, yeah, it just lets us stay small and sustainable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then we're also using um, my neighbour's ethically raised free-range pork um, in a pulled pork roll. Who's your neighbour? Tammy Jonas and Stuart Jonas. Is she she listening today? Um, I'm not sure. We don't actually get reception. G'day, Tammy. (laughs) Yeah, no, Tammy rocks. Yeah, good neighbour. Yeah, so we've yeah, I've been really lucky having those guys. And she would have been here. a good mentor too. Yeah, yeah, they've been. Or certainly great advice, great. maybe not quite a, quite a mentor type thing. So you've got um, you've got your chickens. You've got um, you're using those eggs. You're value adding them and turning them to something delicious that people come from far and wide to have. You got a few pigs on the farm too, have you not? Yeah, so we we had some pigs. Oh. Um, yeah, they're now. Did they have one bad day? They had one bad day. One yeah, bad day. Yeah. They had, they had, they, well, we salute those guys. But can you just tell the names of them because they were pretty cool names? So, so we had Piggy Smalls and yes. uh, Piggy Minaj and Greg and then Greg. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So, uh, plans to get uh, any more? 
Um, at the moment, I've got so now now we've got um, two calves, so they eat mm. down the grass in front of the chickens, and it kind of it, it works a bit better for us instead of having the pigs because the pigs were very hard on the soil. We had to keep moving them very quickly, especially in a wet. Um, winter like we're having now they, they dig through the soil like mini tractors yeah um, and so the calves are kind of work better for our model at the moment but you know if if there's an opportunity in the future to to have some pigs i definitely definitely think about it again so um where can people uh, first of all try your uh, your produce what markets are you at so we do the the uh, melbourne university farmers market which mm. is every week every wednesday during semester um, cool and then we're also at the sunday market in dalesford normally yes um which is every sunday in up in dalesford up at the in railway dalesford. station yeah 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 well, in the name, yeah, and uh, and of course, people can uh, can have a look at your website, which of course is so it's dannysfarm.com.au. Dalesford, Danny's Farm, Dalesford. If you want to, if you want to find it, Google it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great what you're doing. So um, good luck. Oh, and bef- in uh, before you do go, what about some advice uh, for others? Some maybe some young people that might be thinking about getting into agriculture that go, look, it's just too hard. I don't. I have inherited a farm. Uh, what would be your advice for them? Um, do do some research. Look up Joel Salatin. There's lots of different ways to get into farming. Yes. Um, I don't own the land. I'm leasing it off my dad, and I'm even considering leasing somewhere else. Um, so you don't have to inherit a farm. You don't have to own the land to be a farmer. There's a great um, pop-up garlic farm called Farmer Incubator, and they get people involved in farming. Farmer Incubator. Farmer yes. Incubator, yeah, yeah, they do pop-up garlic farms. And, and I guess the, the one thing in sort of uh, concluding this is that um, farmers have been leasing off lands forever. I mean, you know, land for a gisting, um, you know, and things like that. It's, it's a logical progression, and it's a great way to get more people, um, younger generations, interested in agriculture so i reckon that's a fantastic thing danny we're gonna have to let you go mate um you're heading off your brother's birthday party or something is it it's my brother's first birthday party today this is brother, yeah. this is, yeah, <laughs> it's fanta- sounds fantastic well yeah. danny thanks for joining us and um yeah keep in touch and say hi to your neighbor too thanks too. a lot for having me guys absolute pleasure hey before we hook into a food oh not a food track a music track cameron yes we have a giveaway. I want to talk to you about the Queen Victoria Night Market, which is on again for this year. Matt, tell me all about it. Our good friends at the Queen Victoria Market um, are running the night market again. So every Wednesday night until August, uh, the Queen Victoria Night Market offers crackling fires, crackling fires, mulled wine, a selection mulled of street wine. food options, live music, yes. uh, stalls, of course. Yeah. And this is pretty cool. On um, 27th of July... Just a second, let me take that down. Wednesday, the 27th of July, Triple R's taking over their big screen there with a sequence of live toy videos and stuff that were shot in our performance base. So Nice. It's kind of cool. And if you want... Wait, say that again? Because you were, well, got what, a, what are they going to, we going to see? There's like a big screen at this year's night market where they show short films and all this yeah. sort of other cool stuff. And on one Wednesday, the 27th... Of uh, July. Triple R is curating what he's shown on that screen. Lovely. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So there'll be um, yeah things live to ears, outside broadcasts, and things like that. All Sounds that like stuff. a lot of fun. And we've got a, a couple of vouchers to give away. So if you want to um, just uh, get a couple of food and drink vouchers for the Queen Victoria Night Market, nine three double eight one zero two seven. Yes, but of course you must be must be a subscriber, or, or we're going to tangle tangle in a very bad way. Gosh, oh, and there's people calling. Look at that, they're going off. Danny, thanks again for coming in, buddy. Thanks a lot, guys. Hey, and oh, some music match track. Yeah, go the Toms. I enjoyed that, Matt. What was that? Uh, the song was Archie Bronson's outfit, Dart for My Sweetheart, from a few years ago now. Fantastic. Well, Good track, though. Thank you very, very much. Uh, 12.31 here on 3 FM. Edith is the name of the show. You are on with just wave goodbye to Danny Kinnear, farmer from Dalesford, who's been uh, moving his chickens around in the, in the Joel Salton-type tractor. And uh, we welcome to the microphone, Charleston Grundy. Hi. Hi, Matt. How are you guys? Uh, better for seeing you. Oh, that's so sweet Which of is, you. Um, really, really kind of you to come in. Um, I did mention the chickens because there's been trouble at Mill. Trouble, <laughs> trouble in my own chicken tractor, yeah. yeah. Trouble in the tractor. That's right. Well, oh, we had a bit of a fox attack a week ago, yeah. And this is a inner city fox attack. Inner city. Well, Damn. that's where a lot of the foxes are around Melbourne. There's apparently no house more than something like 
500 meters from a fox den or something it's something insane, ridiculous isn't it? it like is that. ridiculous are, and we live near the arrow which is like a freeway for foxes the freeway <laughs> really yeah the the arrow the fox super highway that's it that's oh my it oh god and so the uh uh, may your chickens be nervous. And they weren't... How many chickens have you so got? So we had five. We're down to four now. Oh, Lord. One of them badly mauled, but lived to tell tell the tale, yeah. And it's back. She's coming back. And but down already, in the, you said down in the pecking order, though. Oh, yes. She Poor can't strut her stuff she, like she used to. She used to be top of the order, and now she's, hey! now she's a little bit nervous. She okay. really is. Hey, you're not so tough now. No. But... Um, the good news, they survived. How many eggs do you get from them? Well, um... We've got, we've as I say, we've got four, and we're getting a, usually two, one or two eggs a day, which is not bad mm. out of a, a um, little flock like that. Yeah. And we've been told by the egg board, or whoever the, the powers that be that control eggs in this state, that uh, we've been dealing with some egg shortages, and um, because the chickens don't lay as much during the winter. If, uh, is that that is found? actually that, true, yes. This is a true the, statement. The, the reason that we're getting as many eggs as we are is that they are young um, first-year chickens, normally. Vigorous. Um, they are. And, and they're laying. And they're laying. So next season, <laughs> next winter, I would imagine. Do they, do they make a noise when they lay? Uh, yeah, they do. A the special cluck that they do when yeah, they lay. It's adorable. I'd be making noise too if yeah, I did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Huh. That wasn't the noise that I Why made when I had my camp? children, I can tell you. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yes, yes, this egg, get out of me. So words to Let's sort of... Let's change the subject Anyway, quick, quick. <laughs> um, uh, so the Edge Good Food Guide, um, what edition are we looking at now? Oh, I think it's the 136th 36. edition yeah, of the Edge Good Food Guide coming up, and it'll be out wow. in September. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing about the Age Good Food Guide is that every year it just seems to get better and better in its presentation um, and the things it covers. What are the changes that are happening this year? Oh, we are making a few changes this year. So always do. Always we do. We do. It's we're, relentless. Um, so we're expanding the bar chapter, the cafe chapter and the cheap eats chapter Yep. Um, because we've we the, the Age used to um, print guides dedicated to those subjects but no longer does that oh yeah um so we are incorporating that into the age good food guide and expanding on it and and bars bars are are the whole another sort of way that we show our epicurean excellence in this town that's right i mean most of the bars in melbourne are as good at the food side of things as they are at the drinks damn straight and actually we've been doing a lot of anniversaries lately of people who've been around for a decade and five years the everly has just yeah. uh, celebrated is it uh, five i think sank. it was sank or yeah. sank. Sank, I think. sank yeah five five years good on you yeah uh congratulations uh, so there's a bar section um so what? expanded bars expanded cheap eats expanded cafes Bloody and hell. this year instead of having um restaurants 12 and above, we're now setting the bar a bit higher and it's 14 and above, so you have to get 14 out of 20 as your minimum entry point. So that's going to... How many for one hat? uh, 15 is a hat. Okay, 15 so out still, of 20 is a hat. So they still will be hatless. Yeah, and some of the best restaurants in Melbourne and in Victoria are at that 14 out of 20 level. There's nothing wrong with 14 out of 20. That's right. a great... Right. And it's it's funny, over the years I've heard of a lot of places, even though you strive for excellence, and, you know, the thing is that when you do a business for yourself, you mm. should be doing that, but two hats can be such a hassle. Yeah, yeah, and imagine, you know, imagine of, uh, you know, the... The um, pressure at three hat level. Imagine <sighs> what those guys are going through. So that's really amazing. Really tough. People get out of bed. Yeah, that's just right. the worry. I know, I know. And bless them <laughs> like for doing it. Like a great piece though. of granite over the top of. I've got granite sheets. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and so um, there are many that are going up and going down. Will There's there be changes? There's a little bit of movement. There's a little bit will of there movement. Will be controversy because oh, the always food guide can be controversial. I know it can be. We did had people storm out of award ceremonies, famously setting fire to their certificate one yeah. year. Yes, yeah. yes, all of that. Jumping up and down, chucking tanties. I know, but last year we had a, we had the. Um, the big event at oh gosh, what's the it name was, of the place? It was, it was downstairs at the Regent. Uh, the Regent. Oh my gosh, See? what an amazing venue that is! It was like um, Hogwarts, the Great Hall at yeah. Hogwarts. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was so, with sort of a Spanish theme around us, sort yeah, of it was almost very Rococo Mission. kind of um, decoration and so on. It was. Yeah, very yeah, nice I, evening. I was very very lucky. I scored an invite to that one, and mm. it was most good. Um, 
Have you got who's going to be your MC this year? I don't know who it is. Sorry, actually. It's an it hasn't been thing. confirmed yet. I, the only reason I do that is because I what, still. What you're trying think, to get your foot in the door? No, 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 not at all, not at all. I was actually thinking the very best, <gasps> Sean McAuliffe. Totally, oh, totally. Oh, he is the master. Ros, you know what I loved about that because the, the and Matt, this is for you, and you'll get this is the fact that. It brings in the great and the good, and 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 some very very old sort of establishment characters can sort of inhabit this space that we're in. And I remember Sean McAuliffe is just out there and kind of sort of surreal almost in his um, in, in the way that he did it. And at one stage, he decided to do a, a, a awards in the voice of Christopher Walken. <laughs> Gold. I was crying with Gold. laughter but, that. But half of the people didn't get it. And that's what was so great about it. Because half of the people going, who is this chap? He's a little bit odd, you know. And um, anyway, that, from a, an anarchic point of view, it was just amazing. Was so gold. anyway, um, when's it out? Uh, so um, September the 12th it's out and it'll be in the shops. We're hoping this year the very next day. Normally it takes us a few days to get it into the shops, but we're Gosh. hoping, yeah. cross fingers, that it'll be in shops the very next day. It's a bit like the Logies and TV Week. I Not know. at all. Uh, no. no. <laughs> so um, with your um, with your eye casting around on this, uh, this great postcode of 3000 and then looking out of yeah. the great restaurants, the great and good that are around... What's notable at the moment? Oh, look, I, I what I've done lately is I've gone to a few of those places like Attica and those sorts of things. And Lucky old you. Yeah, not bad. Um, but mostly what I'm doing now, most of the reviewing's been done, so I'm kind of doing re- some visits for fun and that sort of thing. So, went where to do you go for fun? There you go. This is this is a great question to ask I, someone. I mostly who's go to the cheap eats places. To be really honest, I yeah. love um, eating at that level. Yeah. But, uh, Me too, because I can't really afford to eat in well, any other level. If I'm on my own dime, that's what I do too. Of Damn course. straight. So tell but us. I, t- I went to Honcho recently, which is Adam Liston's place. Um, it's where is it? It's almost like a pop up in the side of the the Windsor Hotel at the moment, while he um, is about to open his own place in Punch Lane next to Rose's Kitchen. Does pretty good ramen, doesn't it? Oh yeah, and there was a, there was a dish there that was a bit like. Next level carbonara with smoked duck and egg, and it was amazing. Mm. So, yeah. who's the person behind this? That's Adam Liston at yeah. Honcho, H O N C H O. So, that was terrific. And he had a dish there with truffles. I think you were going to, you mentioned off air that you were going to talk about truffles, but he, he did a dish there that um, he shaved copious amounts of truffles over the top of, and that was pretty darn good. Really? Yes. A most generous uh, slicing of them. Um, and uh, other places that you... Oh, I went to the French Saloon this week for the first time, which is um, Ian Curley's place in above um, Kirk's Wine Bar. Yes. Very nice indeed. Bit of oak up there. It was beautiful. Loved, yeah. Loved it. And it's very provincial. And the, the chef has really nailed the art of seasoning there. Um, the, you know, just the right amount of salt, not too much, not too... Too little, just right. I thought that was really fantastic. So we've got so the, we had quite the simple dishes, things like um, just a beautiful butcher's cut steak with um, onion rings and that sort of thing. Oh, I've had the onion rings; they're good. <laughs> they're really good. Form- and a, a salmon tartare, which was very nice indeed, and a uh, a parfait, a chicken liver parfait with foie gras, which was and pretty good too. Maybe one of these things, and uh, and and the great thing is we've got uh, Philippe Michel coming up next. The master. But, yeah, but you know, we talk about these things are classics, and they are classics for a reason, are they not? They really are, yes. Because they do, they stand the test of time. Yes, that's right. They they really, really do. If you were going to bring um, someone from out of town, where would you take them now? Uh, probably take them to Embler at the moment. Loving Embler. In yes. Russell Street there. Um, yeah, just damn, I missed out on a lunch there. I was supposed to meet some people. Yeah. No, well, you've got to get yourself there. I think they really? do a very good job, those boys, yeah. Mm. Yeah, really good and, you know, just interesting food, not to um, look at me, just really tasty. They do a very nice chicken dish, roast chicken there, roast uh, wood-fired chicken there too. Whoa. What do you think While of While we're on that chicken theme. Taxi? I haven't been to Taxi for a long time. I must go there again. I really like Tony Twitchett's food, and I think for an out-of-towner, that place, because oh, you're just perched above the Fed Square, you look across the Yarra, 
it's such a beautiful thing and you think all those public servants from the gas and fuel that <laughs> used to inhabit that and have that yes. in there. They're very, very lucky. Um, you want to help me um, have a chat to Philippe? Love to. All right. Love to. So we've got the uh, chef, chef. Is there anything you wanted to mention before we I finish I did want up? to mention that... I saw um, you looking at your notes. So <laughs> went, oh, okay, back <laughs> off. What do you want to say? I, I just wanted to mention that I'm um, moderating a conversation oh, yes, at Abbotsford Convent with the aforementioned Tammy Jonas. Aforementioned. And uh, Miranda Sharp, who's um, very well known in the farmer's market world. Yeah. And, we have um, the, we've got the godfather and the godmother. Yeah. Um, Zanil Zanudin, um, who I'm not Zanil sure Zanudin. of her background. I think Zanudin. she's an academic who's involved in food research. So really? it'll be a conversation with those three women what at um, Abbotsford Convent on August the 11th. August the 11th. It starts at 6.30 and it's something like... Um, $12 and an $8 concession and you can look it up on um, abbotsfordconvent.com.au Will there be food? I'm not sure actually I'm hoping so but maybe not That's Maybe we should right. get Danny to bring down some of those um, those tarts I don't know that he's got such a huge profit margin that he'll be able to give that away will he? No you're probably right that would be really <laughs> rude and I've only just met him and he's gonna, he'll probably slap me um, So that's on August 11th from uh, at night time? That's right 6.30 How would people possibly book for that? Uh, on the Abbotsford Convent website. That seems easy. That's right. Abbotsfordconvent.com.au. So you're going to moderate. You've got Tammy, who's um, feisty. Oh, that's all right. That's that's going to be good and for the, the conversation. And the academic to ameliorate things. Well, Tammy's an academic as well. well. So it'll be a very high-level conversation, I think. As are you. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. I'll all right. Um, we see that. That's Matt. Matt's what winding doing. you up. What are we doing, Matt? We, we, uh, we're just going to pay a little bit of mortgage and then uh, we'll come back. And we're going to talk to Philippe Michel yes. after this. Bravo. There's something about that screaming saxophone that gets to me every time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we um, welcome, if you've just joined us, you are listening to 3RRR on a grey kind of Sunday. We sometimes bandy around, uh, you know, the case of a chef's chef or, you know, the godfather of... Uh, of cooking and cuisine, but this time I think we do, even though he's looking at me with his arms <laughs> folded going, what is this shit you're talking about? Uh, but, uh, no, we have one of the greats, um, and I say thank you very, very much for coming in, and welcome, thank Philippe Mouchard. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, damn right. And you got to meet Danny and hang out in the, the green room, and little <laughs> kids running around everywhere. That's fine. Sunday. Funny yeah. today. It's kind of, uh, kind of good, but... Uh, just for those that um, have not met you or uh, have been lucky enough to uh, have your cuisine, mm -hmm. um, we are very, very lucky of, to have imported you uh, as, well, you know, most people in this in this land. But originally, you're from the land of apples. In, I was, uh, yes, I was born in Normandy. Normandy. A few years ago, yes. Yeah. yeah. A couple of footy seasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As we like to say. <laughs> and... Um, You've um, you worked around, and, and we were uh, lucky enough to uh, to have you at uh, Bocuse uh, mm -hmm. a while ago. But I, I think before we get into that, just just quickly, who who was your? Because you've been a great mentor to so many people now, and I was just wondering who has been your mentor? Who was the one that shaped and shaped you to be who you are in the kitchen? I have to say it. It's Mr. Bocuse, without any doubt. You know, oh. I worked for him for mm, 25 years. Yeah. Of course, I work in Lyon. You know, to work for Mr. Bocuse, you have to go through his um, gastronomic restaurant in Lyon, which I spent two years then. And then one day, he came in the kitchen and said, I need someone to open my restaurant in Japan. <laughs> Oh, and everyone in the kitchen start to hide under the bench. Really? <laughs> Where the hell is Japan? So, <laughs> so, you know, I say, oh, I'm going. Okay. I'm going. Why not? You know? And then, so, um, I moved to Japan in 1978. We're opening, um, Paul Bocuse restaurant. And then uh, we moved to Hong Kong. Uh, we moved to America. And then I moved to, he sent me to Australia in 1991 to open his, uh, his restaurant. So yeah. this was after being in well, yeah, so quite a few different places. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. Yes. And um, 
And Japan was a huge eye-opener for you, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. Yes. You know, the, the culture of the Japanese uh, people, the f- you know, they love everything French, not only the food, but the fashion and mm. everything French, they, they love it. So French food, but you know, there is a, there is one thing they, they don't like too much. It's, uh, heavy dishes. Yeah. So, you know, we had to adapt ourselves a little bit with cutting yeah. butter, cut, cutting back on the roof. Yeah, cutting, yeah, yeah. Cutting cream and, uh, which was, for me, was, it, it was good. It's, you know, opened my eyes. So, well, if mm. we want to be successful, you know, we have to adapt ourselves to, uh, to the, to, uh, the, my new country. So, so we you have to adapt and, and evolve. But I, I would have said to you that Japan would have been perfect because the whole ethos of Japanese and especially Japanese cuisine is promoting the the excellence the very best of the ingredients and mm-hmm. that's that is sort of the thing that underpins the japanese isn't it's the celebration right. of yes. perfection in the ingredient itself exactly everything they do has to be perfection yeah. you know um so yeah like i say we have to adapt ourselves stopping you know using too much cream or too much butter which was good for my diet at that point mm. um and working with you know n- what we call now natural jus what's what's come from the pan mm. and like the japanese do you know piece of uh, sushi with a little bit of wasabi and soy. That's that's all they want, and that's what we did. Perfection personified Perfection. on a little little tiny piece of, of of plate. So, what was Australia like when you first? My God, it's it's a, it's a while ago now. It was the nineties? We were just coming out of a recession. Yes, because that was kind of yes. tough then, wasn't it? Yes, it was very tough. Mm. But uh, we we did well. We did well. Um, I was a little bit, a uh, little bit, um, shocked or disappointed with the produce, you know, coming from France or coming from Japan. I was expecting, you know, the baby carrot, the ah. nice breast chicken mm. and everything, which we didn't have. No, but, not yet. Um, not yet, no, but, no. but look now. Because, okay. because I think your mate, um, not your mate, sorry, uh, another Frenchman, Serge Dancer, hmm. right? Hmm. Um, he was the first one that came to the place and need, I need a lettuce mix. No one's doing a bloody hmm. lettuce mix. I want mescaline. Yes. Um, and it was because of him hmm. that he was, he was the genesis of hmm. that, was he not? Yeah, it's because of, you know, a talented Australian chef who hmm. went overseas to work in Europe. Yeah. who went to, you know, England and travel. And the customer said, so why can't we get the same thing yeah. here in Australia? So, you know, chefs, demand chef ask, we need that. We have and to train our suppliers. We have, or we, or we have to drive our suppliers yeah, to but, do better. And without suppliers, there's nothing we can do. Mm. And look now, the, 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 the restaurant we have in Australia, we have in Melbourne, it's unbelievable. Yeah. We have fantastic producers. Yeah. And we've even gone more from, like, you know, little baby things to little tiny shoots of things. But, you know, yeah. some... Some chefs joke about chefs with tweezers and doing things. Yes, with yes, everyone is doing tweezers yeah. now. Philip Sibley said some funny things about men with tweezers, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I won't, I won't go there. But um, so the the wonderful thing I said in the introduction, by way, which was was a while ago, that every great city or every city should have a great French bistro. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think it's uh, it's mm-hmm. marvelous that uh, you've returned because this looks like being a reality. Yes, it's a uh, it's a new place that we open a bit more than two um, two weeks now. Soft opening um, didn't tell any of didn't tell Rosalind <laughs> to come no, in, did you? No, no. no. that's all right. <laughs> that's no, that's good because you get everything sorted out, so everything settled down, and you're yes. uh, off Collins Street in. The one, Paris end, which is kind of yeah. a, a, appropriate. Yeah? appropriate. Yeah. 115 Collins Street. 115, right there. Yes. yes. So it's off Collins Street, St. George Parade. So mm. it's underground. So you could be in Paris. You could be in, in New York as well. Yes. It's a very cool place. Great so fit out. Yeah. Nice buildings. Mm. Very good. Very, very clean. Um, nice, nice fit out. And how do you define a French bistro? Um, what are, what we're trying to do, it's, okay, we call it a French bistro, but we don't want to be a very classical French bistro because there is, there is enough of that in Melbourne. Mm. So, um, what I'm trying to do is to uh, follow what's happening in Paris, the trend in Paris with a uh, bistro. It's to um, work what's available on season, what's available on the market on the day or for the week. 
Yes. You know, um, and there is no really no rules. So it's a little bit cuisine spontaneous. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. And light as well. Yes. Um, so more like you were cooking in Japan, less butter, less cream, that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. We don't use much cream except for dessert. Yeah. Uh, but I want it to be light. I want um, people to, you know, people now look after their health. Lot and lot and lot. And so we we have uh, mm. as a chef we have to be responsible for that. We have to to do the same thing. What about salt? If we're talking about that, do you reduce salt? Yeah, we reduce salt and bit. we also reduce sugar. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So less is more, but good. But to to me, I think there is still a lot of the great dishes to to like these beautiful charcuterie, mm. great oysters. Mm. Um, what are the sort of things would oh, you be doing? You know, if you want a good steak with Bernays, we have that as okay. well. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we also have, we also have vegetable on the menu. I mean, all the great uh, bistro. We have a pâté en croûte. Mm. You know, pâté en croûte. Nobody was doing that anymore. Which it was is nice a, to see a little bit en croûte. Uh, yeah, le, a, te, right. a terrine cook in mm, a crust. So good. It's, mm. good. it's very it's good. good. And Russell wanted to. We've, we've sort of had a little bit of a theme today of uh, of chickens. Some that we mm. weep a little bit because we've lost early. Uh, others uh, busily being value added up uh, where uh, where Danny is. But um, Russell, you wanted to ask a, a question about chickens. Well. Philippe's been famous over the years for his um, rotisserie chicken. He's, mm. I can see he's rolling his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably hell. sick of um, being always associated with roast chicken. Jeez. But it is one of the most beautiful dishes going, a, a simple roast chicken or a not-so-simple roast chicken. And, no. and the great thing is you can, you can help us and our listeners to do it better. Maybe oh, yes. a little secret for home cooks, okay. cooking roast chicken. Okay. Have you got some secrets? Um, the way I do it at home, mm-hmm. I don't do it very often. No, no. But no, when, no. I, when I do it, when I have friends and family, um, I want to make sure that I'm not staying in a kitchen all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I do... I want to hang with my friends. What you, exactly. Yeah. You know, and drinking aperitif as well. Mm. So what you have to do is remove the chicken from the fridge half an hour before you start cooking it. So the heat goes inside very quickly. Season with salt, pepper. I usually put some uh, cured lemon inside the cavity. Um, fresh thyme, mm. bay leaves, rosemary, all of that inside. Um, do you trust? I don't. Do you I trust not the needle like we mm. do at the restaurant, but yeah, I trust. So Just keep, some string keep, to keep it string, yep. together. To keep it, exactly, and na- keep it a, na- a nice shape. Mm. Um, and then I buy a lot of um, vegetable. I don't want mean, you know, roots, vegetable, parsnip, celeriac, carrot, potato. Put that in a dish, season with olive oil, garlic, cloves of garlic, mm. and peel with the skin on. Yeah. Put the chicken on the top and in the oven. Mm. And uh, an hot, hot oven, uh, uh, 200 degrees, 220 degrees, so you get okay. the color. Yeah. And then you turn the oven down to 260 or Upside down or up first? Uh, up first. Yeah. I keep it up. I don't turn up. You don't I turn up. No, okay. I just keep it no, no, back no, like 45 that. degrees, 45 degrees, 45 degrees. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, if the vegetables start burning or drying, just put a little bit of water. That will make your sauce as well. Bam. And after one hour, one hour and 15 minutes, it's all ready to go. The, the, the vegetables are cooked. The chicken is cooked. Mm. And to see a small uh, trick, to see if your chicken is cooked, take a needle yes. uh, or a small knife and, and, and prick the, the, the legs, in the middle of the legs. You know? And if there is blood coming out, no go. It's no not good. cooked yet. You know, if it's a clear jus, it's cooked. Al- always rest the, the chicken for 10, 15 minutes before you serve it. And this has been the great thing that I've l- learned over the, the decades. Because mm. I remember my parents who used to do, you know, the roast. And then Dad would be carving the roast and go, gee, this thing's juicy, isn't it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we used to always talk about how juicy the roast is because oh, no one ever rested meat, you know. And yeah. uh, so, um, I don't know, um, 15 minutes or so afterwards, 20? Yeah, 15, 20 minutes. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got a, a couple of things. Matt has uh, passed me a note, as he does, because he's uh, the one that keeps me on track. Uh, we didn't actually mention the name of your restaurant. Oh, uh, it's easy to remember. It's called Philip. Bang. There you go. And um, I've got a question completely without notice and anything like that. There is a saying in kitchens because services can be very tough, long, hard yes. work, you know, boom, boom, boom. And there is a French word that comes through, a phrase, uh, don't le merde. 
Uh, yeah. The nice way of saying that, I think the Americans say, in the weeds. Um, <laughs> um, it's when things go wrong. Is, yes. is there anything that you've had so many great triumphs, but I'm sure there would have been some times when things didn't go so well? Oh, it's happened very often, yes. Is but, there um, anything you could relate to us um, as a <laughs> dans le merde experience? Oh, we say, yeah, and I have a, free, a few chefs, a French chef in the kitchen, so they understand. Everyone, yeah. un, but even the other chefs, the Australian, everyone understands dans la merde. Oui. Uh, everyone. Oui, chef. Um, but we have to keep calm and cool because it's an open kitchen, so. Yeah, yeah, and just keep going, keep going, keep going. Exactly, even though, you know. even though the power might have gone off and, uh, yeah. And the sous chef has set himself on fire, or the apprentices yeah. have fallen into the, yeah. the deep fryer. <laughs> so uh, the customer should never notice no. it, you know? Yeah, the kitchen in hand is kitchen. bleeding, going, ah! uh, It's not that bad. Okay. Right, <laughs> Philippe, no, I can't imagine you were ever a shouty chef. Um, no. no. Actually, when I was a young without not enough experience, I was, but, you know, with the experience, I learned uh, to, uh, to stay cool. Yeah. Mm. Very good. And um, we have – oh, I've got one more minute. It, advice to young people that might be thinking about making food a career. Um, yes, it's hard work. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's, it's hard work. And, and you won't make good money at the start. No, even at the end you don't make <laughs> good money. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hard work. Hard yeah. work. Uh, keep motivating yourself. Keep um, uh, learning. Yes. Keep learning. You know, even me, I learn every day. Mm. I, you know, I watch TV. I go out. Um, I, I see what other people do and listen to customers as well. Mm. You know, Mr. Bocuse always said to me or said to everyone, if chefs could test their food often, their food will be better. Their restaurant will be better. And this is what we have to do, listening to people and see what the other are doing. Not copying, but mm. see where the trend is. And, and be inspired by your mentors. And I think it's mm. very telling. Yes, Matt. <laughs> He's giving me the wind up. <laughs> I think it's really, really telling that um, even though you are at the station that you are now, that you f still refer to Mr. Bukus. Mr. Paul, yes. Really? Mr. Mm. Paul, yes. Thank you so much. Uh, the restaurant is called Philippe. It is uh, top end of Con Street, one, one, one five, five. Uh, and you go downstairs, and uh, and there's a uh, there's great special on too, uh, forty five for three courses, thirty seven fifty four de, for lunch only. Yeah, for lunch only. I don't think you're going to get that at dinner. No, no way. No. Um, and um, uh, Rosalind, thank you for for joining us. Thank you. And may your chicken be back to full health soon. Thank you. So uh, Matt, lovely to see you. Likewise, and congratulations to um, Anne for picking up the Queen Victoria Night Market vouchers. Check it out every Wednesday night until August. Fantastic. And uh, Sunday lunch continues. And uh, we're looking at the world of sport with uh, Andrew Donison. I'm not going to steal his fire by telling him everything that's on the show. That'd be terrible. We'll let him do that yeah. too. Thanks so much for coming in, Philippe. Thank you, Kevin. Rosalind again. Matt, everybody rocks. See you next week. Thank you, listeners. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.